If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, I know I've already asked you to do a survey for me, but can you do one more for me, please? In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash Jamie and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are and we can get more advertisers that you want to hear from. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Jamie. Thanks for your help, guys. Okay, friends, today my guest is Nicole Eunice. Nicole is in Richmond, Virginia, and we sat down in a hotel room in Dallas, Texas, as she was flying through on her way to someplace else, and I was getting ready to attend the F Gathering, and we had a beautiful conversation that I'm excited that you get to listen to. We talk about the weight of being a leader and a pastor, and I know so many of you listening are leaders in your your communities and your churches, and I think you're going to enjoy our conversation about that. We talk about parenting kids and our kids starting to drive, and she tells me how her family is handling a family car, which that might be so relative to some of you right now now, and it's almost my story as well. We talk about the city that she lives in, the community that they want to lead, the church that she pastors at, talking about counseling and teaching. You guys, we just have real conversations that two girlfriends who love God and love His Word and love people would have. So you're going to love our conversation. You guys, before we get to the show, I want to ask you a favor. I would like to ask that you would go over and leave a rating and a review over on iTunes. I know many of you don't listen to the podcast on iTunes, and I understand that. So wherever you listen, would you leave us a rating and a review? If you do listen on iTunes, we would really appreciate a rating. We'll take five stars, you guys, and a really kind review, because what that does for us is it not only makes us feel good about the show we're creating, but it helps other people find the happy hour. And we want as many people at our happy hour party as we could possibly get. When you leave ratings and when you review the show, others see it and they take your word for it. Also, if you don't subscribe to the show and you just go every single week and find it, Can I encourage you to subscribe? Subscribing to the show, make sure you get it in your listening device every single week. We need about 500 more reviews over on iTunes to reach 5,000 reviews. Guys, I think we can do this before the summer hits. Can you help us get to 5,000 reviews? When we do get to 5,000 reviews, I'm gonna come on here and I'm gonna tell you thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'm gonna give you a gift. So there, I said it. Let's do this. We need 500 more reviews to get to 5,000 reviews on iTunes. It's simple. Go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes. Friends, I want to say thank you to everyone that was at Catalyst West this weekend. I was there out in Orange County, California. First of all, it was beautiful. Second of all, Catalyst was amazing. And third, I was so honored to be on the stage. Seriously, love everything that Catalyst is doing. This next Monday, I'm actually going to Boston. My brother is running in the Boston Marathon. Can you even believe it, you guys? I'm so proud of him. So anyone in Boston, anyone running the marathon, I'm gonna be there and I'm so excited to cheer him on. I know a lot of you listen to this podcast while you run and work out. And so here's my chance. I'm gonna just tell you, go, run faster, lift more, cycle more. You can do it, you can do it. Okay, all joking aside, I'm gonna be in Boston. Okay, you guys, here is my conversation with Nicole Eunice. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Which it is a happy hour because it is 5.15. We're in a happy hour. In a happy hour. In Dallas-Fort Worth. What city are we in? Irving. I think this is where the Cowboys play. I don't know where the Cowboys play. All I want you to know is that I have never seen so much road 
as here in Texas, there's like nine lanes of traffic on every highway. Like you don't have that in Richmond. Everybody has their own lane. No, we do not have that in Richmond. Although, I mean, I felt like I was taking my own soul upon me trying to get over nine lanes of traffic when I'm like, oh shoot, need to get over nine lanes. Excuse me, not from here. Sorry. Just waving, you know, like that's going to help. Sorry. No, I've been to your cute little town. You have. Yes, you were just there. I was there in the fall. And you yes, brought me a gift. I did. Because we were supposed to interview and something happened. But thank you. Well, I love my city and I wanted you to get a little tiny taste of it. It was so. a cute city. It's cute. Yeah. It's a great place full of history. It's incredible what God's doing there. I didn't grow up in Richmond. I'm an army brat. I moved all around. So I've always had this a little bit of an outsider view at places. But now I've lived in Richmond so long. And in my last Bible study, they actually filmed in Richmond. And we talked a little bit about the history and the story and how that plays out because it was the capital of the Confederacy. It's a really interesting, full history. Um, so it's a pretty cool place to be. You guys have had some hard things there in the past couple of years. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, Charlottesville is an hour down the road. That was obviously hugely impactful, really brought the faith community together to try to have dialogue. A friend of mine has said before that Richmond is a place where no one considers themselves racist, but everybody lives in a racist system. Wow. So, I mean, because it's just how it's always been. There's ingrained systems that feel unjust. So, for instance, my kids are in the public schools. I remember my son was in eighth grade and we were at a middle school basketball game in the same county, 21 white boys on the right side of the court, 21 black boys on the left side of the court, like like the other side of the tracks. The schools are probably four miles apart. I mean, it's, it's just craziness. To me, it feels crazy. It just feels so different than the way I grew up. But I think there's movement and light and love and trying to say, we need to have friendships. We need to have conversations. We need to be together. This isn't just about race. It's about a lot of things. And to be a part of that happening in our city is pretty cool. So have so. you seen the faith community kind of step up a little bit more than they have in the past? Yes. Absolutely. In fact, we're working on a citywide gathering right now for women in that spirit of saying we need to have relationships. Sure, we want our churches to look different. We love for that to happen, but starts with friendships. So rather than like aiming for a church, how about we aim for a weekend as a starting point? And so we've just been doing that actually just this week. So it's been really fun to kind of see where that will go and what will come from that. So I love it. Okay. So you have three kids. I do. Did I read that one of your kids is getting their driver's license today. today? Yes, today. One of them is getting their license today. So this is like our last carpool day right now. I have lots of feelings, so many feelings that I wasn't expecting to have. What are so. the feelings? Because I'll tell you mine real quick. My son just turned 15 in January. Okay. If you asked me a year ago, are you ready for him to drive? Absolutely not. I don't want him to drive till yep. he's 18. Kids are dumb. They're <laughs> stupid. No way. Now in my life with four kids, oh. I'm like, when can you get your driver's license? I know. It's, it's like, yeah. I mean, we're not one day behind. Like he got his permit the day he could get it. He's going to get his license the day he can get it. I mean, I know other people whose kids are 18, 19 years old and they I don't get their license. I know them too, like, yeah. Who is driving you places? I ain't got time for this. Yeah. I my kids are in different schools that are 30 minutes apart. I mean, we are like, see ya, just waving, just waving. Have your kids used Uber? No. Okay, mine haven't either, but I met a mom the other day. I know moms who've done it. They live in downtown Atlanta. And her kids' Uber had been Ubering since they were like 14 years but do old. Do they have the teen Uber in Atlanta? I don't Atlanta? even know what do that you means. Know? There's like a teen Uber where you somehow, there's like a code word and your kid has the word and they have the word. And then that's how you know it's a safe person, I guess. I don't know. Because it's not actually legal to put your kid in an Uber. Like that has it's to be. It's not. No, you have to be, I think you have to be 18. I did not know that. You can fact check me. And I just listened to your podcast with Nicole. I was thinking of her as the other Nicole, but she's actually the Nicole. Nicole Walters. I'm the other Nicole. No, yeah. No. So the Nicole had some facts for you. You know, she just, so you'll have to fact check. I think it's not legal, but of course the Uber driver isn't going to be like, hey, are you 18? Can I see your ID? Right. Yeah. So that's what I think. I could be wrong. I'm spreading lies. <laughs> we were trying to figure out a way to get my kid from where we live into downtown Austin to uh -huh. get to his dad, my husband. How far? A 30 minute ride. Okay, yeah. And I said to him, would you get in an Uber? I was like, 80%, I would do it. And he said, no, he didn't want to. Uh-huh. Interesting. Do, were you surprised that he said that? Not from this one. I don't know what, I don't know. My girl would be like, heck no. She's 14. She'd be like, no. And I'd be like, also no. Yeah, so, exactly. I, yeah. My boy, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know he's what a he sophomore. He's a sophomore. Yeah, mine's yeah, a freshman. He's kind of the first driver and yeah. his friends and he's pumped. And my husband works in the car business, so it wasn't hard for us to get a car. Did you buy a him car. a car or did he have to buy it? So what we did is we bought him a Teach car. Teach us all your ways. Uh, <laughs> I'm also the first of my friends yeah. with the oldest kids. So I feel like I'm like looking around. Thank 
goodness for the church because I have moms who've gone ahead of me that I call them and say like, please help me. But of all my friends were the first and we decided it's a family car. It's not his car. I had a very specific thing that I wanted. I was like, I don't want the car to be cool. I want it to be safe. I want it to be cheap. I want him to be able to crash it and for no one to feel like that's like cataclysmic disaster yeah, yeah. as long as he's safe. And so he is driving a 2003 Toyota Highlander with a tape deck, cloth seats, probably had 50,000 miles on it. I think it was some grandma's oh, that just, just sat in, in the garage. garage. Yeah, It literally looks like no one ever sat on the seats and it's perfect it's it's not cool but it's like safe and he loves it and it's fun this is a good idea for the family car though because then you're like oh that's not your car that's my car car, actually well it's like how could he possibly have a car like he doesn't have a job he's a great kid super responsible but he's in a lifestyle he cannot have a job so how could you possibly own a car pay for car insurance pay for gas it's a family car you do family things with it you drive kids around you you know and then like we'll this, and Nicole. then we'll work out when it becomes your car if if and when it becomes your car. Are you going to make him like buy it from you? Sure. I don't know. I you think you should. Want it. Yeah, probably. If Thank he you, wants Jamie. it. I feel like we've really worked out a lot of problems right <laughs> we now. Have. Like, but I'm like, I, I, like I feel the, good about my mothering. As I we like the family car thing. And then what I'm seeing later is like, hey, you're raising money. Here's your option. You can buy this car from us. Exactly. Or what do you want to go buy? Well, and we got, you know, my daughter's 22 months behind him. So like we're right in a yeah. row. I'm sure. Is that yeah. how, how yeah. many? I mean, yeah. I've got four in four years. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I three in five years. I was just a slightly slower pace than you. Well, I only birthed one. I adopted three. Were so. they, did they all come into your home though? Not no, at the same time. one came okay. home at four and a half, one, two, and one newborn. Okay. So, so at what point, did we're, what were the ages when you had all four? So I had a six and a four-year-old. Okay. Within three months, we added a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Girl. So it was that's your book nother, called The Struggle is Real. That's a whole nother podcast. Those two years. Survival. It was survival. So you though had them, and tell me if this happened to you, because I only had three and this happened to me. Did people look at you? like something was wrong with you. Like I would be in the grocery store. Like why do you have so many be, kids? Yeah. And I would be thinking like, this is actually a normal amount of kids with a normal birth span. Like in, in life, yeah. this is actually normal. Uh-huh. And I'd have like a kid in the backpack and one kid in the in the cart and one kid like pulling things off of the shelves. And people would just look at me like, oh, bless her heart. Well, it was different for me because three of mine are black. Uh-huh. And so they'd think, oh, are you watching those kids today? Are you babysitting? Huh. And I would say, I, you know, I watch them every day. <laughs> Every single day, I watch these children. For their whole lives. They never leave. <laughs> um, so it was a little bit different. Well, and I grew up in an adoptive family too. So my youngest brother is Korean. And especially back then, which was, you know, whatever, how many years ago, I have an eye for that. It's interesting what develops in you. I mean, it takes a lot for the Lord to give you a heart of grace when you notice that people notice you in a way that is sometimes unkind. And I'm, you know, we had a lot of that growing up. So how old were you when your brother joined your family? I was seven and he was two and it was a different day and age. I was going to say, and he's Korean. He's Korean. And in that time, I remember so distinctly, we were at the JFK airport waiting for the plane to come in. And basically these ladies came off the plane with these babies and handed the babies to like their new parents and walked, like flew home. Like there was no going there to get the babies. There was no adoption training. No experiencing the country for two weeks. No. So I'm interested and it's actually none of my business and you can tell me if it's none of my business. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about anything. That had to have been at least 35 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. What led your parents to do that? I mean, the story as I know it, which is funny because of course, as you get older and as you become a parent, you become more and more interested in your parents as people, you know, not as parents. And, and you have a lot more grace for what you used to yeah. bother you. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah, totally. So my, my understanding of the story is my parents both became believers in their 20s and like pretty dramatic conversion experiences in the like California heyday Bible church yes. time. It was like extreme conversion too, I bet. Yes, yeah. extreme conversion. So they're trying to catch up a lifestyle. As if all conversions aren't extreme, but you know what I mean? Like death to life. But what I mean is... Well, some of us kind of do like a little, like a two-step. Like yeah, a their lifestyle might have been drastically to, changed. Yes. Right. Some of us sort of slide into the kingdom right. of heaven and it was a little bit more of a turn. And so they were really deeply in community with people. And there was a family that had adopted, um, I think Korean. And I think they just looked up to them and were like, we should do that. And wow. if God will provide a way. And then they didn't have the money to do it. And there was a one of those miraculous provisions for the money it would take. So they saw that as their yes. And then they went into this whole thing, this whole world just blindly, like had no idea. And it was, it was traumatic. It was hard. It was a hard, he had a hard backstory um, that of course now 
as an adult and in the world of adoption, we're so much more aware and educated about what that's going to look like and be like, and just the, the tragedy of what makes adoption even a thing. Um, in, in spite of the joy of it as well. And they just didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. So we just all tried to figure it out together. Yeah. I'm always so intrigued when people my age mm-hmm. say that they have siblings yep. who were adopted because growing up, I did not know anyone that was yeah. adopted unless it was like a domestic adoption and they they never talked about right. it. And it was kind of a family secret. Mm-hmm. Because that one family we knew, we moved away real quickly because we were in the army. So we moved every two years or yeah. so. So that one family that I kind of remember... We didn't know anything after that. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, enough about your parents because this show is not about them. They're not here. They're not here. Okay, Nicole, you have a lot of hats that you wear. A lot. Mom, like you do. Bible teacher, writer, speaker, pastor, wife, daughter, friend, all the things. Mm-hmm. How many books have you written? Um, I think that my fifth one is coming out. In October? Fall, yeah, okay. in October. So, so the last one that came out was The Struggle is Real? The Struggle is Real came out last year, yeah. And the reason I say I think is because I've done a couple little different projects and I wrote a, co-wrote a book with my senior pastor called Start Here, which is like for people beginning in faith. So I'm like, I don't know, four and a half, five and a half, I'm not sure. I think you can add a half in there. <laughs> so, just a half, yeah. I like it, I like it. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas because it has a vast, landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. 
Okay, so one of the things that you talk about, and I think this is really intriguing and I would love to talk about this right. with you. And how do I say this the right way? People could sometimes look at what you're doing yep. and think, oh, you just showed up here yep. writing books, being a leader, yeah. doing all these things. Do you feel that tension of people? Yeah, I think it's I think it's just the, the world we live in, like the social media world we live in, you know? Like and you only see the end yeah, game or something? Yeah, you see the end game and you follow people that you are inspired by. And I think that's great. I do the same thing. But um, sometimes when I'm in front of, especially like younger audiences, there's a sense of like, what are the three things I need to do to get where you are? Which I remember so well. I used to have this obsession with women leaders because I was trying to figure out how Who to be a mom. Just anyone who had a stage of any kind. I'll okay. tell you a specific story. So I was at William & Mary where I was an undergrad, but I also went there for a couple of classes when I was getting my counseling degree. And there was this woman up front and she was such a good teacher. And she was teaching this addictions course. And I realized that she didn't have a PhD, which normally you can't teach on that level without a PhD. She's kind of like an adjunct, like master's degree. So I like really... Like, I think she was like, hey, stalker, get away from me. Because like on her break, I ran her down and I was like, can you, like basically, can you tell me about your whole life? Because I was thinking, how can I be who you, you are? How can I be you? Right. How can I be you? I know you're a mother. I know you're this incredible teacher. You're leading people. And she gave me the answer that every woman leader gave me in that season, which was like, oh, you know, happenstance and winding road and this led to that. And I wasn't setting out to do this, but then I ended up doing that. And I remember as a really driven type A person being like, I can't follow you because that's such a winding path. I can't do you what you wanted three did. steps. Right, I wanted three steps. And so now when I'm here, I'm like, I just look at people around me who are like, man, I'd really love to speak or I'd love to lead or I'd love to get there. And I'm like, good. So what are you gonna do starting now? Because- I went to seminary 15 years before I came into like a full realization of what I think that call was. That's a long time. You were in seminary for 15 years no, or 15, I, I was like 15 that, years previous. So I was, I was thinking you were taking like a class this semester. So <laughs> that would be so sad. <laughs> that be so hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? I am not that woman. It's like 15 years ago. Yes. You're saying 15 okay. long, 15 long years ago. I was in seminary, finished, graduated. But before I got to what I think was the dream that God had put in my heart at that time was that long. Like there was many, many steps along the way and many different seasons and roles before I feel like I got to maybe this place where I'm like, yes, I get to, I get to write about the Bible. I get to teach and speak. I get to do these things that I think God laid on my heart so long ago. But his timeline is just not our timeline. But it's Thank not what goodness. people want to hear though. I know. My husband, Aaron, and I were just having this conversation. So I'm about to do a talk on contentment. And we were talking about how there's so many examples in everyday people's lives that we know right now. But even if we look back in scripture sure. of people who God called that we see in his word that did crazy things for him, mm. Moses, David, mm. Esther, the disciples, whoever, is that they were doing what was right in front of them right. the whole time. Moses was in the field and, you know, David was in the field and the disciples were doing what they were doing. And I think that is something that we miss as well, mm. is that you, even you saying, I, ha yeah. I had this thing that I think God was calling me mm. to, and you were doing the next right thing. Right. But it didn't happen right away. And it often didn't feel like the next right thing. And I think that's What do you like, mean by that? I just didn't feel like it was getting me anywhere. Oh, like, I see. Wherever that preferred future is. And I'm going to tell you my, like my favorite story around contentment in the scripture is Joseph. Because Joseph had a dream that was not realized for 13 years. And I love that even when situations that were actually unjust, like when he went to prison, it was unjust. And the way scripture is written, we know that Joseph was not perfect, but the story is written in a way to keep him in the righteous place and for him to have unrighteous things happen to him. And even there, when he's in prison, it says, and God was with him and everything he did prospered. And that really, like, I feel like when I, when I taught that probably four or five years ago, I just felt like the Lord was like, Nicole, am I enough for you? Is me prospering what you're doing in front of you, even if it's not the thing you think you want, is that enough for you? Because if it's not enough for you, you're not going to be able to be my catalyst for people. Like, as long as something else is more important to you than me, then it's not going to work. It's such a good question to even ask because you're thinking, of course, we see the whole story. We're talking right. about Joseph. We'll stay right. there. We see the whole story. Yep. We see what happens in the oh, end. Yeah. It all works out fine. Right, right. But in the midst of yep. that imprisonment, 
Yeah, like Joseph didn't know All what was going to happen right. next. I mean, he he interpreted those dreams and then he was forgotten about. Of course, in God's timing, we know that was perfect timing. Now, here's how we know, especially that Joseph did not know that his dreams were going to come true. I don't know if you know this little thing. He named his children Manasseh and Ephraim. And those names mean God has allowed me to forget my suffering. So I feel like when I read that, that was before his brothers came back to him. Like when I read that, I'm like, he relented and he said, Lord, you're enough. You're enough. And what you've given me is enough. Then all the redemption came back and all that reconciliation. I mean, do you love that? I, I love can it. tell we you smile. love it. I'm smiling because we're reading through the Bible right now. Okay. And we just did Joseph did. a couple weeks ago. You so did. I feel like I'm like, did you I notice told, that? Well, about I told his names. Amanda, did I tell you that I cried? We're listening uh-huh, to it, uh-huh. the audio. And when Joseph sent them back to get his dad, mm-hmm. like this, <laughs> the audio was reading to me and I felt like I was listening to an audiobook, and I started crying no, I cry in right my now. car. I will cry right now. I mean, that part, it's so, I don't know. No, if I didn't know that about his names. I recognized I mean, his so names. It's so poignant when you think of that, the honor to God. But what he was saying was, God, thank you for helping me forget the suffering, which also means I'm content in the dream that you gave me. That is not the dream because he dreamed that his brothers would bow down to him. So the fact that he was saying, you have helped me forget my sorrow in the land of my suffering is like, I'm, you're enough for me. Like this is enough for me. Even if that dream doesn't happen. Right. Well, yeah. because he didn't know the dream was going to yeah. happen. We yeah. didn't, so it's just, it's just little, it's those little pieces of scripture that just get me so fired up. They just come to life. You're like, this is a real person. So how does this whole, let's just go here since we're, yeah. maybe you can give me some content for my talk too. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> Good but luck. We, I'm never content. <laughs> when, when we're talking about, even that if, as women. Yeah. I mean, you and I, Every woman listening wears a lot of hats. That's not something that is just someone who has a microphone. This is every woman is wearing a lot of hats. What does that even look like with being content with where you are? Because the conversation started with, hey, Nicole, how do I speak like you? How do I write books? How do I do this? I don't really like what I'm doing right now. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think that being content with what is in front of us, the hats that we have to wear is like the crucible of our faith. I sometimes wonder if we're going to get to heaven and see Jesus face to face and he's going to say, did you enjoy it? You know, like, did you enjoy what I gave you? Because whenever we're always looking to that next thing, we're never actually present. And I think that presence is the presence of trust. It means that we trust our heavenly father. And this year um, I have fallen away from it in the last two weeks. And so I'll probably cry thinking about it. It was a delightful time that I really am like, Lord, help me get back to that. I feel like I started the year and I said to the Lord, help me see today as an adventure that you're partnering with me in, that I can wake up every morning and say, Father, whatever it is you're bringing, I can't wait to see what it is. That is the antithesis of my personality. There is nothing in who I am that is wired that way, but I've just come to realize I can either choose life, like it says in Deuteronomy, like choose life. I've set before you blessings and cursings, life and death. Choose life. Like I can put my feet on the ground and choose life today, which means actually being a recipient of God's grace and his delight, or I can choose to keep looking for the next thing. And I'm just like, not that great to be around. I mean, I'm not very fun to be around, not only in my interior world, but also in my exterior world. And that's what people remember, right? I mean, people catch who we are. They don't catch what we say. It's who we are that really matters. So I think too, I was listening to something the other day and it made me think about in Philippians when Paul's talking Mm. about the secret to contentment. And just a little side note, in Mm. case anyone's wondering, if you ever were wondering what Jamie put on the back of her letter jacket when Mm -hmm. she was 16. I do want to know. It was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Mm. Christ who gives me strength. Mm. If you have read my book, you know I did not love Jesus at that time. And by the way, I'm allowed to say this because this isn't my podcast, y'all. If you have not read Jamie's book, you need to go get it. I seriously was like, I cannot wait for my daughter to read your book. Aww. It was so beautifully done. Such a beautiful picture of grace. It's beautifully written. And you tell your story with such incredible insight into just our heart. And that's, I think it's just anointed. I really do. And well, I want kind. you to know, everybody go get Jamie's book <laughs> and don't borrow it from a friend, buy your own. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Back to, back to Philippians. <laughs> Jamie didn't know I was going to do uh, that. I did not know, but that's kind of you. Uh, but I was even thinking yeah. like, man, for so many times, even when we're talking the whole thing about like, give me three steps to tell yep. me what to do. Yep. And we are not content with what we have in front of us. We're, we are discontent with the life that God's given us. I mean, Paul's like, Hey, I, I know how to do with little. I know how to do with much. Mm. And the secret is this is that it's all through the grace of Jesus. And I think sometimes I can get caught up in, 
okay, I need three steps to be content. I'm going to unfollow people on social media. I'm going to get to bed on time so mm-hmm. I can be happy when I wake up and I'm going to read my Bible before my kids get up. Well, and don't forget to work out. And I'm going to work out. And also make your protein shake. And make my yep. protein and shake. And eat clean. Yes. Whatever that means. Before the Do kids wake up. things. Right, of course. And I feel like sometimes that will help me mm-hmm. when I really, what's actually going to help me. I, I'm not against any of those things. Of course. I unfollowed like 400 people <laughs> recently. But what would actually help me is to trust that the yeah. only way we do anything mm. is through the grace of Jesus. It's scary. I mean, three steps is controllable. You know, it's something we and can control. And I like control. to check things off. So yeah. if I do, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. Yeah, well, you talk about in your book that duality of being able to actually feel like I'm a Christian. Like I, I'm a Christian and basically live your life completely differently. And I think it's that space, that duality between the way I'm living and the, what my head tells me I am that is the space of I'm going to do a to-do list. I'm not going to do honesty. I'm not going to do, how am I really doing? I'm not going to do, oh my gosh, but for the grace of God, can I go and do anything? Because that's scary because we lose control. You know, we're basically, and what's more scary than thinking God's not going to show up for you? I mean, right? I mean, that's what you wrote about, you know, and if we would just acknowledge that, I think we were making a really, anyone listening, if you can just acknowledge that, like, is am I scared of God's grace because I'm afraid he's not going to show up for me? And I'm like, test him. Go ahead. Ask him to show up for you. Like it says, you will seek me if you find me, if you seek me with your whole heart. I just feel like so many of us are seeking him with 20% of our heart. Like we're just scared to give all of our heart. And so we're not seeing him show up maybe the way we hope. And it is scary. Um, But man, I can't do this job if I don't believe that God shows up for people. (laughs) Because I can't show up for him. You and I can't show up for him. I mean, we can... We can lead people, right, a little bit. We can take a few friends by the hand and walk them through a story, but it's only in the healing presence of Christ that people actually are healed. So, Letting God show up and do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm going to interrupt the show real quick to thank our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by Bona Floor Cleaners. The next generation Bona Premium Spray Mop for hardwood floors includes a microfiber cleaning pad and hardwood floor cleaner all in one wonderful package. Together, the mop and cleaner provide an effective clean, which is quick, easy to use, and leaves no dulling residue. It's the perfect solution for simply beautiful floors. The Bona Premium Spray Mop comes with a full-size, ready-to-use hardwood floor cleaner and a microfiber cleaning pad that is both machine washable and reusable. Two things I love about this product. The cartridge can be refilled with your favorite Bona floor cleaner, like the hardwood floor cleaner, original formula, stone tile and laminate cleaner, or the free and simple hardwood floor cleaner. The comfort grip and foam handle provide extra support for cleaning sessions, and the extra large base plate allows for fast, effective cleaning. You guys, this is also very easy for my kids to use. And this mama has her kids clean her house, you guys. Everyone's got to help around here at the Ivy House. Like I say, it's always better together, even in cleaning. And so my kids are able to use this, and I think that's really important. Another thing is that it cleans 40% faster than the leading competitor. Plus, it has soft, flexible corners, which prevent damage to baseboards and furniture, which is important when you got your kids doing the cleaning. There's even a retractable hanging hook for easy storage. We love this spray mop at our house. Bona Premium Spray Mop is available at most retailers where floor cleaning products are sold on Amazon and Bona, B-O-N-A dot com. Also, try Bona's Premium Spray Mop for stone, tile and laminate floors. To receive exclusive offers and to learn more, visit Bona, B-O-N-A dot com slash happy hour. Okay, friends, I want to thank our next sponsor for today's show. This podcast is brought to you by Thomas's English Muffin. They want to know what our ideal morning would look like if anything were possible. I want to tell you right now, my ideal morning involves this English muffin that I made for breakfast and I brought over to my office. I'm not even kidding. It's right here. The thing that I love about them is that the edges get kind of crispy. And then this morning I toasted mine. I put a little bit of mayonnaise on it because I love mayonnaise. And then I put a fried egg on it, some avocado and some salsa. You guys, it's like my play on the little Tex-Mex. There's a recipe that I'm gonna share with you in the show notes. I just added mayonnaise to mine because I love mayonnaise. Oh, and some cheese. It is so good. So one of the questions is, where would you work and who would be your boss? 
You guys, I would work at the Today Show and my boss would be Savannah Guthrie. She seems so fun. Maybe her and Jenna and I could go out for drinks after work. That would be so fun in my ideal job. But I live in Austin and they're in New York City. But no matter what, I would bring in Thomas's English muffin with some avocado on it, like I had this morning, and I would take that with me to the day show. Actually, I'm just going to eat it here at my desk. I really love my job, and I really love this breakfast that I had this morning. I'm going to put the recipe for this, add some mayonnaise if you want, in the show notes for all of you. Thomas's, wake up to what's possible. You have written that you think our past Mm. affects our reality. Talk with me about that. Yeah, so... In my previous life, I've had many careers, including fitness, corporate life, you know. What was your fitness career? I was a full-time fitness director. I was like a personal trainer, group exercise. I mean, I I really What was your special class that you loved to teach? You know, I ended up teaching a ton of cycling at the end of my career. Yeah, I really loved to create a playlist, like the the ability to really shape like a music, a playlist, and then lead people through an experience. Was it a Christian cycling class? uh, No. Okay, so who are your favorite (laughs) artists that you like to use? Oh my gosh, I really, I'm sorry, everybody. Just close your ears if you hope that I'm more righteous than this. But I'm I, Gold Digger by Kanye West is like literally. I mean, my you would cycle song. your butt off. I mean, to that. I am an old school hip hop as much as I can handle it with, you know, what most of the messages are. I will just, I mean, I was listening to SWV on the way here. I was like, Sisters with Voices, bring me back to high school. So anyway, you know what I, I want? Speaking of cycling, yeah. I want one of those. Girl, I got it. What is I know it what called? you're about to say. Peloton. Peloton. I'm if you want to sponsor the happy it. hour. I'm, I know. Peloton. Both of us are willing to. We're willing you know, to do whatever you want. To talk about you. You like all it? You want. It's phenomenal. And it in the season of life that you're in. Yeah. Truly. I mean, I, I've told people before, you need to be in a certain season for this to really work for you. You need to be in a place where the most important thing to you is time. Yes. Because if time is the most important thing to you, it's amazing. And the instructors are better than any, I'm sorry, Richmond, Virginia, any instructor I've taken in all of Richmond, anyone on TV. It's not live though, right? Where you can get into a live class. So you can can put yourself in a class and you're on a leaderboard and they see and they'll call your name out. Like, hey, Way to go, Jamie. Oh, that would make me so happy. I know, but it it won't happen because there are 15,000 people in the class. (laughs) Dang it. I like scheduled my 100th class so that I'd be in a live class. Like just trying to show up. Like say my name. (laughs) I did not say my name because there were so many people in the class. But, and there's amazing yoga on it too. And so, oh. you can, so you can do on-demand classes just like Right Now Media or Netflix or whatever. You just pick the class you want. Or you can also jump into a live class, which is kind of fun. I'm, I'm, I highly recommend I've got my it. eye on these. Peloton, remember, I'm the one who recommended Thank it. Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> you like it. Okay. You were talking about. Okay, I don't yes, even keep going remember. Back. Can you tell we're, me? Because oh, I interrupted you. So yeah, I've had lots of jobs, lots of careers. And so I spent about 10 years in private practice as a counselor. What I learned during that time about myself and about everyone that I was with was there are deep ramifications, both good and bad from our past. It does not have to define your future, but it absolutely impacts your reality. And without like a pretty rigorous desire to understand what that reality is, it's it's very, very difficult to move into God's like narrative, like his place of freedom. Because if you're doing stuff out of like a place that you don't even know why you're doing it, like for instance, let's say you had a, a difficult or distant relationship with your dad. Let's say he was like super hard to please and you're having all these problems at work and you don't realize, wait a second, every experience I've had with like a male figure in authority has been difficult and hard to please. And I'm putting all of that from my past into this future. And I'm calling it reality. I'm calling this my actual reality when it's really not. I mean, it's a reality based on that past. So that sounds really psychoanalytic. That's not, I just was giving one example, but I just feel like, and Jamie, of course, this is exactly the lane that you run in. I'm like the freedom that comes from facing what is real in your story, the vulnerable parts, the parts, of course, that you do really well in your book, talking about what's going on in your inner world, not just what's going on on the outside. I was so, I mean, I tell people this all the time. When I was reading your book, I thought, you know, I may not have had as many outward expressions of of what you were experiencing at that stage of life, but man, in that stage of life, I was so screwed up. I was so messed up on the inside. I mean, my my feelings of control, the way I tried to control the things around me, the way I tried to control people's, what they thought of me, how much I was just like dancing like a pet monkey for people's approval was unreal. And I mean, I meet women. I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 41. Okay, I was like, we're the same age, yeah. almost. 
I'm not 41 yet. I'll just, I know. I'll you just can put be that my little there. sister. That's fine. <laughs> I'll be your, it's totally fine. <laughs> we're 20 months apart. Um, but I meet so many women who have said to me, I don't know that I could ever tell anyone about. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be, like I said, like these crazy right. things. Right. But they are just walking around not wanting to talk about it. Is mm-hmm. that one of your things that you're saying? Because yes. if you don't talk about it, then you, you can't, can't experience freedom. Okay. It's just, you, there's no way. There's, I, I, I know. And people are like, well, no, but if you knew how hard it was, I was like, well, here's the thing. The problem is not the memory. It's what the memory is telling you about yourself. So it's not even telling you true? Yeah. I mean, I mean what actually happened to you is not the actual problem. So okay. here's why I think that. One of the things that Because you can't I, change that. You can't change that. And you can, ch- you can grow through that. Like, but people be like, well, if you knew, if you knew what I had done, if you knew what I experienced, if you knew, I'm like, well, actually, no, you couldn't really surprise me. Like as a 10, 10 years in counselor, you really can't. But what I'll tell you is that what that's doing in you, what it's telling you about yourself, about God, about the world is way more important. The interpretation of that memory is more important. So here's the thing that would happen in counseling all the time, still does today. Women would say, this so-and-so thing happened to me, but it's not that big of a deal. Other people have it worse. I'm like, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That is the enemy trying to keep you from grace. Like there's nothing So I don't want to deal with it. Someone has it worse, so God doesn't have time for me. This basically what that means is someone has it worse. I mean, I would have people in counseling who would tell you things that would make your hair stand up just straight up over your head. That was so painful. And still they would say at the end, but it's not that big of a deal. Someone has it worse than me. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to hear this now for 10 years straight from people who don't know each other, clearly there's something else at work. This is a to thing. To me, there's darkness at work. And the darkness is make sure that you don't tell anyone your story. Make sure you don't take, don't make it a big deal. Tell yourself that it's not a big deal so that you won't actually experience healing from it. Like mm. you won't ever really face it. Because you would almost convince it. yourself you don't need any healing. Right. You you convince yourself that you don't need healing. That whatever that memory taught you about yourself is not really worth it. It's not important. And yet you keep living out of that thing, which is why in the struggle is real. I told a story about a perm. I specifically told a story about a terrible perm I had in sixth grade because I didn't want to tell a really challenging story, even though I have lots of them. Because I was trying to make the point, ladies, like, or whoever's reading, guys too, you have a story and whatever happened in that memory is what's actually important. It's not the memory itself. Mm. It's what the memory taught you and told you about people, about you, about the world, who you can trust. I feel like I'm having these conversations with my counselor right now. Really? Like she just keeps, she knows some things that have happened in my life. Mm -hmm. Things I haven't written about or talked about. I almost just said, they're not that big of a deal. I really did, Nicole. I'm telling you. But I'm I'm working through it with my counselor. Oh, sure. so, but she'll bring them up and she'll say, I think I see this is why this yeah. is happening. Like we're seeing some connections. Oh yeah. I mean, it's I was crazy. I was just talking with a mentor of mine right before this. And she said something to me and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. Like uh, that is from my past and it's informing my future and I'm putting myself into the same patterns again. Now, the difference between maybe where we are and maybe where some listeners might be is that we've experienced the freedom that comes from actually telling the whole story. So when we engage with hard things again, it's a little bit, I don't want to say easier, but maybe we're not as scared. I'm not as scared. Because you've already had, that. you've used that muscle before and you've, you've already had to do you've it. You've used the muscle. You've experienced God's grace. You've experienced someone in your life you've been vulnerable with. You talk about a friend who did that for you and you realize they still love you. They might even love you more after you tell them the truth. It actually, it's easier to exercise the muscle. And so it becomes less scary mm. to be like, oh, I am acting out of that previous yeah. thing. Yeah. I am. And yeah. I, and God can work with that. Yeah. Like, so there's a, there's a way where it becomes more growth oriented and more, I hate to use the word adventure, but I think in, in Christ, it actually can be an adventure mm-hmm. of being set free yeah. even more and more as we I grow. use this example just this week, I was speaking at a college mm-hmm. with some college girls and we were talking about confession and mm-hmm. um, living an authentic community. Sure. And I use the example of how important it is. And this is kind of what we're talking about yeah. because I said, there was a time a couple of years ago when I was traveling, like we do, yeah. and I was at an airport mm-hmm. and I didn't do anything wrong, mm. but I was at a bar and I'm by a bar. I mean, it's right next to the gate. Sure. So I was just sitting there working mm-hmm. and a man came up on the other side yep. and I'm doing my, I'm working on my computer. He starts talking to me and you know, normally I would just be like, uh-huh, thank you. And then like put my mm-hmm. headphones in, go back to work. I talked to this man for like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And when I got done talking to him, I felt, I felt that feeling of, yeah. that was not okay. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't do anything wrong. That's right. I didn't give this dude my number. I don't even know. I never knew his right. name. Like right. what I'm, I'm saying, it was like nothing. But I immediately called my husband. He right. didn't answer. And so I called a friend after that. Mm. 
But my point with the girls was that confession made it easier the next time that happens mm. for me to say and say, I know that my husband and my friends are not going to think less of me. They're going right. to point me to Jesus. They're going to hear my confession mm-hmm. and they're going to tell me what's true. And so I didn't have to worry mm-hmm. about Yeah, that. imagine imagine a scenario like that when you didn't feel as free in Christ. Yeah. And like what you would do with it. You wouldn't tell anyone, number no. one. You would probably have a lot of condemnation shame. and shame. Mm-hmm. And shame leads to more shame. That d- Actually, shame is not something that we grow in. <laughs> we actually shrink in shame. So things get worse, not better. And that very same thing that you were trying to feed becomes hungrier. And they're, they're, I, I often say like, we are not going to be perfect on this side of heaven. However, we can shorten the distance between when we experience wandering and I know you talked about the, the hymn and the prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You know, we can shorten the distance between when we experience wandering and when we come back mm. into God's grace. If we could just shorten the distance, shorten the time frame, like that's a goal that we can have. And that's what you did. That and night. when you experience that short distance, yeah. like you just described it, you go, okay, I can do this. Yep. That wasn't as bad as I thought. Yep. Yeah. And then when the people come to you and they know you, you leak it out. Like you just, you have this, I hate to use the word aura because it's so new agey, but I'm like, it is like you have an aura where people all of a sudden will say to you, oh my gosh, I've never told anyone that before. Like there is something about the presence of Christ in you when you've been set free that people feel free around you. Like they, they begin to, to be set free. And I think about that second Corinthians verse, you know, God has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Like that we are walking around and God is like actively saying, I am trying to make things right with people around you. I'm trying to move people from bondage to freedom. I'm moving people from sickness to health. And you're my conduit of that. Like how incredible. And we get all caught up in job titles and likes and followers. And I'm like, we are walking around with this incredible job. Like I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Like I'm an ambassador. Like put your sash on. Let's do it. Put your crown on. <laughs> and, like wake up in the morning and be like, God, where do you need me to bring reconciliation today? Like I just love it. We should get those like Miss USA sashes one. that I want just one. say. I was trying to think about what it could say. Not like Miss Jesus, because that would be weird. And I don't think that's right. But like Ambassador of Christ works better. AOR. Yes. Like we start our own sorority. Yeah, I like it. I like it. What's with you crazy people? We can be the queens. I kind of want a crown though, but I mean, I'll take a sash. Yeah, we'll take a sash and a crown. Okay, so you are a leader. Yeah. And leading is hard sometimes. Or all the time. Or all the time. (laughs) It's such a funny thing. I think... People have lots of different definitions of leadership. I think we have lots of different seasons and phases of leadership. I Um, like to say that everyone's leaders. I mean, wherever the space that God's put you in is where you are leading people. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone listening who's a mom, you have a very special leadership um, role to play. And it's, you don't get to, you don't get to exit it. It's been given to you. I remember when I first... I went through, uh, I've had several midlife crises starting at the age of 25. And I remember thinking, this is permanent. Like I can't give, which I would love to say that I felt that way about my marriage, but truly it was when I had a baby that I was like, he can never be given back. Like it's forever. It was my commitment phobic self was like, oh my gosh, I've made a terrible mistake. I am not fit for this kind of leadership. To be the mama, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I lead, I lead people. I do, a, um, at church, I lead our campus pastors and I lead a young ministry residency program with with um, young leaders in their 20s, which is just one of my favorite things to do. We're headed to South Africa on Tuesday with them. Um, so lots of time to be with people who are forming their ideas of their identity in Christ and how that plays out in their calling. So I think that leadership is an incredible gift that God mm-hmm. has. I mean, again, I'm going to contradict myself, but I think that everyone has the ability to lead the people that are in their sphere. Right. I talk with my kids about that all the sure. time. Like you can be a leader in your school. But I think when I look at people who are, they have, you can see they have this incredible gift of leadership. Well, God changes the capacity, right? Like, right. So we all have it, but the capacity and the breadth of what that's going to look like can often change yes. in season and skill. Right. Yeah. I look at my husband and oh, I yeah. think, golly, the the leadership that God's put mm. in front of you. And sometimes I feel like, oh, this podcast, like people are, they actually listen to what we say. Oh, yeah. Like they're actually listening to the things that we talk about, yeah. which is crazy. And you're, you're shaping, you're, your words are shaping their reality. So uh, let's talk about this because when I think about that, mm-hmm. for other people, I think kudos, way to go, Nicole, way to go, Aaron, way to go, Amanda, way to go, all you people. Mm. When I think about it for myself, mm. like when you said, sure. oh yeah, your words are actually influencing people. And I think about that, man, if I get on a stage to speak, if somebody brings me in and it's not, we're not talking about 
podcasting or sure. whatever. We're talking about Jesus and the Bible. Yeah. I am honored mm-hmm. and I don't take it lightly. Mm-hmm. I tell every people that bring me in, like, thank you for trusting me with your people. Uh, oh, I, say I mean, the same thank thing. you for trusting so me funny. because listen, it's crazy. Thing. You can get some crazy people up you on stage. Sure can. And you're, it is out of control. When that yes. person's on the stage, yeah. it's all theirs. I often think the weight mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. is sometimes, if you think about it, it can be suffocating sometimes. Yep. Tell me how you deal with that. Yeah, you know, I feel often more the weight of the everyday of leadership, the hard decisions, the hard conversations, the conflict. I don't know if it's just a special like dispensation of grace that God has given me for the for the Bible and for teaching the Bible. Um, I think it's because I spent those 10 years in counseling where what we were doing is working out people's theology. At the end of the day, whatever the issue, the issue with their kid, their issue with their marriage, whatever their past, they were seeking, how do I understand life? How do I understand who God is in this life? And because of that, I feel like my teachings always centered around, I know you have these questions and so do I. And I don't know if I have the answers, but I think I can take us to this place that we can look at together, this passage we can look at together. So that is a place of real joy for me that doesn't feel as weighty, uh, if that makes sense. But actually, when I wrote my first book and people read it, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I know, you're, you're, like, like, you're like, wait, more than my mom, right? Well, I mean, I, I'm sure you know this, but like the average, the average like nonfiction book if it's self-published, it sells 150 copies. The average nonfiction book traditionally published sells 1,500 copies. So I'm like, 1,500 copies, that's fine. Like I've, I've taught that many Bible studies, right. like whatever. And so when the book was not 1,500, it was more. That's actually when I felt this, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I am really, it's committed. Because at least in person, you're like, a little bit of grace, right? For the things I say. <laughs> right. maybe it won't get recorded. Right. But when it's written, it's like for life. Everything. It's forever. And that felt really weighty. Do you have anything you'd ever change in a book? I haven't really read my books again. I mean, I basically send them out to the world and say, go have your way. Yeah. Sprout wings of fly. Because I I think I I would cringe probably a little bit already. And my first book came out in 2012, so it hasn't been that long. But I actually, they they licensed the audiobook rights to my first book this summer. I just recorded the audiobook seven years later. So you did have to read it. I did read it. And it was... I choked up. I choked up at points. And I, because I think it's my, it's my real first oh, So much story, goes into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your and your, your, yours is your real first story. And I bet if you read that seven years from now, you'd be like, God, you've been so faithful to me. I mean, that's yeah. what I remember in reading it. it. First of all, it wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> that's good. Nice. Yeah. I know. And the second thing I was like, no, this is good. Like I know more now about scripture and this is good. Bible content because I think like that it when still God, stands. Well, I think when God calls us to something and we do our very best, it's not going to be perfect. But if we put our effort toward it and we're humble, then I think good things come from it. And there's yeah. a lot of freedom in that, like a lot of freedom. And not, I'm not Jesus's number one salesperson. Like Jesus can do that himself. He's like, good. I'm just, I'm just bearing witness to what He's done in my life. So have you not read your other books? Well, I've I've audio booked all of them, but so. you weren't the reader of them. I was the reader of all of them. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, gotcha. I narrated all of them. Okay, yeah. It was just funny that I narrated seven, seven years later. Book. Yeah, yeah. Did you narrate your book? I did narrate it. Yeah. I know. I would never want someone else to narrate my book. Yeah, I say especially that, because I am a podcaster. It yeah. just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And my my audiobook guy. This is the, my favorite part of the, the struggle is real. Is so I have my sweet sound engineer Paul in there with me. I'm down in a downtown studio in Richmond. It feels real fun. You know, you've got the big headphones and you, they order you lunch. It just feels really fun. He asked me if I wanted to do voiceover work. He's like, "You're very good at this." Oh, I was like, you can I make a, a lot of hats, extra money Paul. on the side, Paul. I wear a lot of hats. I can't be reading books, but uh, he listened the whole time. And he on a break, he said, "Can I take your manuscript home?" Like I. That stuff that you just said about family, I think that my wife and I need to talk about, which a lot of that stuff to me feels basic. It's very counseling 101 kind of stuff, but it was so dear to my heart that he was moved by it. And that's that's what I mean about God's gift. I think he just, he covers up our weakness. I think my engineer fell asleep. So I was like, (laughs) oh, great. I, I, I know what I say when I talk and I know I mess up words. I'm gonna need you to wake up because this cannot be good. Well, this guy was, I had the guy in person and a guy on Skype for the oh. whole eight hours. <sighs> and the guy on Skype, like eight hours in, I was like, hey, so um, how'd that go? He's like, not bad. I'm like, Thanks, so he was buddy. reading along. Reading along oh, yeah. on Skype from like Portland. I wish time. I had someone read along with me because I'm pretty certain I made some mistakes, but. Yeah, they were whatever, they whatever. were sticklers. What's coming out this fall? So coming out this fall, I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about it. I have been teaching this class and I love, love 
I love writing Bible studies. I love teaching the Bible, but I feel like it is a travesty if people do not know how to read their own Bible. And it feels to me like if you were not in college ministry, if you didn't go through like some pretty serious like course of some kind, if you found yourself as a believer, maybe more as an adult, there's a very good chance that no one has ever said like, hey, here is a study Bible. Here's how you can use it. Here's how you can read a passage of scripture, understand what it means, apply it to your life, spend about 15 or 20 minutes a day. We feed people a ton of materials, which I'm happy to write those materials. But it is to me like you need to know God's word for yourself. And it's possible to do so. And we have great tools to do it. So basically I've been wanting for years to get to do this. And I wrote this a few years ago and someone picked, uh, Nav Press picked it up. And it's basically like a whole 30 for your Bible. I'm like, oh, give me 30 days. Uh-huh. It's not going to feel good every day. But 30 days from now, you will know how to pick up your Bible with a journal, read it, take 15 minutes in the morning and actually like understand what you're reading. Do you take so. them through to teach them through a book or? No, I go all through scripture. Okay. So I'm teaching them a method. It's basically like a, just a freshened up version of, you know, what are four questions that I ask of scripture and how do I find those answers? What does it look like to do that? So I use all different passages. I didn't want to do one book. Maybe in future I'll do a book, but the spirit of it is I'm going to give you a foundation and I'm going to actually show you what these little numbers in the margin mean and how you use these study notes and how you come to understand like what a principle is that you're reading. So you're not taking things out of context. It was so fun to write. And I've taught this class for probably the last eight years. And one of my favorite stories, a woman raised her hand at the end of one of the classes. She was probably in her sixties and she looked real mean, which, you know, you're in that person. And you, yeah. I know, especially when you're in ministry staff, you're like, Oh gosh, what's coming. And she, she had her hand up and I was like, yes, ma'am. And she was like, I want to know, how have I been in church for 30 years? And nobody has ever told me these things. And I said, well, welcome to this information. And I hope that you'll go enjoy with it. And so because of that, that's why it's a passion. I love it. There's people out there who just haven't done that before. And I want them to know God's word for themselves. I love it. Our church is really passionate about teaching that as well. And I'm thankful for that in my own life in the past 10 years. Yeah. And once you start learning, and it's kind of like Whole30, like the whole idea there, and if anyone, if you guys don't know what Whole30 is, you can go read about it. But the whole idea- Or you're not on the internet ever in January. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. But the spirit of Whole30 is let's, let's lay a foundation that we can build from. And that's the idea here is that once you get this thinking pattern in your mind, it's actually a lot easier to engage with scripture. So it's not going to teach you a Bible survey or Bible history. It's just, let me give you a pattern that can help you when you're reading it. It's so good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's called Help My Bible is Alive. Help My Bible is Alive. (laughs) Yes. It's really cute. It looks like a comic book on the outside. I love it. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Um, Okay, so now tell me three things you're loving and what you're reading. I love MAC makeup so much. I only have one MAC product, just so you know. I don't understand how that could be the case because they're in every airport. Well, I bought it in an airport. Well, once I started, I couldn't stop. Like I bought something in an airport and I was like, I love this product. And then I'm like, oh, there's a MAC again. And I I find myself in long layovers just like hanging out. Okay, I'm a very minimalist makeup person and I use Beauty Counter. Okay. And my MAC is lipstick because I got to an event and I was like, I don't have lipstick. lipstick. Yeah, Right. right. So I, there's, I have a little eyeshadow palette that's really small. Everything's like super small. I'm pretty minimalistic too. So I like one eyeshadow palette and I've got a really, it's like a liquid foundation that is super, super, super thin. Like it feels like it's not on and it just stays on. Yeah. I love it. You know, we have new problems when, well, you'll know. I'm well, like I'm your big 20 sister. I know. You, so, so you but, can you tell know, me. 20 yeah. months mm-hmm. from now, you'll realize we have some new problems okay. to deal with, you know? So I love MAC makeup so much. I love my Peloton. Like I told you, I actually bought it for my husband for his birthday, which was funny. 
And now you use it. He, he uses it, but not. Is that like brand I do. only a bike, or don't they have a treadmill as well? They do have a treadmill as well. Okay, that's so what I, thought. Um, I don't know. I don't know anyone with the treadmill, but um, I really only see the bike advertised. But I mean, my yeah. two friends that have them have the bike. So it's, I mean, treadmill's kind of big, and like running. I mean, biking's not that exciting either, but running feels even like more boring. Yeah. in a class, I think. In a class, yeah. yeah. But when you're on Peloton, they have classes where you can do like an outdoor running workout and it will, you can start it and it's music and an instructor like kind of leading you through an interval workout. It's awesome. Not on your bike, obviously. Not on your bike. Okay, very And the yoga classes are awesome. You're selling me. I know. I really, I am like a huge evangelist for it. Maybe they can give you a little code we can all use. No, seriously, Peloton. Um, Okay, so your bike. I don't think they're hurting though. No. I don't think they are. Seems like they're. Yeah, so I love Mac. I love my bike. Um, I love reading. I've been reading biographies recently and I've really really enjoyed them which is super nerdy but I just really who love you them. reading so um I read the Martin Luther biography the Eric Metaxas one and now I'm reading the art of power which is a Thomas Jefferson biography okay um sort of got really intrigued because we love my family loves Hamilton my son we is taking too. his 12 year old trip with my husband next month and they're going to Chicago and they're going to go see Hamilton we do a surprise not a surprise but sort of a one-on-one trip right before they turn 12 oh so we do it at 13 okay yeah so he's the last one and that's their plan they're going to go to some sports games which I cannot name what those are but I do know they're going to Hamilton because I got them tickets. Aaron and I saw Hamilton I guess last year for my birthday. And here's the funny thing about us seeing Hamilton is neither one of us had a clue. Really? So you didn't listen to the soundtrack or anything beforehand? No. So how did you experience it like that? We experienced it as in we don't know what we're right. seeing and this is the best were thing you, we've ever seen. So you were able to track with all of it? Yes, but I will tell you this. Now we jammed to the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. My whole family, Absolutely. my daughter knows all the words, like everything. It's funny to hear them sing some, some of the songs because they're, there's some inappropriate things in them. Yes, about Yeah, so they don't know what they're saying, you know, and it's funny. Oh, to listen to your kids sing yeah, some of the songs. Yeah, to hear my kids sing these yeah, songs, so we yeah. skipped over one of the songs, which Desmond will be hearing for the first time when he's actually there. He's going to be like, is this the song I've never heard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but now even hearing the music, it feels better to me. I, and uh-huh. I wish I would have heard yeah. the music before I went. I never have listened to a Broadway musical ever, except for that one. Like Me neither. Like in a soundtrack. Yes. But I had my college roommate is very driven. She's a lawyer for the SEC. And she was like, I felt like she was going to like write me a subpoena if I did not listen to it. She was very convincing. And I ended up listening to it. And I was like crying. My youngest son cried listening to the soundtrack. It was so dear. It's so good. So it is really, really good. Okay. So I'm excited about that. So anyway, so Thomas Jefferson, yes. Monticello, is an hour away from Richmond. So we're steeped right in all of the history. And I do think that education is sometimes lost on the young because as I'm now in a different season and now I'm like experiencing what Richmond is. I mean, Richmond was the slave trading capital of the US. I mean, it was in the slave triangle. And to know that and to experience that and then listen to Hamilton and then read the Thomas Jefferson biography, it's just all sort of coming coming together in a really, really cool way. I was like that. I mean, we did that whole trip when I was younger. DC to New York City. And then we went to Gettysburg. I mean, and I didn't care at all. No, it's really hard to care. I wish I could go back. I wish my mom would take me on that trip again right now. (laughs) You can come back anytime. (laughs) I'll take you to Monticello. Yes. We'll go together with no kids. It'll be so great. I was trying to read every placard and I was on a kid's field trip and nobody wanted to go. Oh, they're like, where's snacks? I just really, yeah, I really wanted, (laughs) they were not having it. So it's hilarious. It's really cool. Nicole, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Jamie, for having me. Here's what I know about you. And we met the minute you walked in the store <laughs> for everyone. The minute. So I can tell that you really, really, you love God's word. Oh, thank you. And you want people to know it. Yeah. And so that's evident in the hour that I just met well, with you. I think, I think for you too. And I think it's because both of us know that's where truth is found, you know, and it is relevant to your life. And if you're not there yet, keep trying because man, when those stories come to life and the Holy Spirit can make that happen for you. Oh, it just changes everything. Mm. Thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thanks for having me. Guys, okay, I have a question for you. Do you think it's possible to keep yourself from drooling while I describe a perfectly toasted Thomas's English muffin with those crispy edges and that soft, warm center with butter dripping over the edge of a nook and feel deep cranny? Probably not, you guys. I'm drooling just thinking about it. Thomas's, wake up to what's possible. You guys, I loved my conversation with Nicole. I loved how passionate she is about God's word and about God's people. I love that so much about her. Her book, The Struggle Is Real, is out now. You can get on Amazon, anywhere books are sold. And be on the lookout for her next book called Help, My Bible Is Alive. It comes out this fall. You can pre-order that on Amazon right now. Today's show is edited by Chris with Pod Shaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. 
Show notes are written by Aki Sluckers, and this whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Jada Edwards. Jada and I sat down together last weekend while we were at the Sparrow Conference in Dallas, Texas, which, side note, shout out to all the lovely happy hour ladies that I met, and a special shout out to you VIP Patreon members that I met in the book signing line. Thanks for always saying hi. I really do love it, you guys. You're going to love my show with Jada. I love Jada. She is hilarious and she is full of truth. I mean, full of truth. She brings fire during our conversation. She says, you can't get to where God has for you till you remember the great links that God brought you from. We talk a lot about that. She's just hilarious and fun. You're gonna love that conversation. You guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I will see you guys back here next week with my friend, Jada Edwards. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.